And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. On today's episode, I cannot wait to dig into all the good things we talk about. We are going to talk to someone who has a chronic illness, and we talk about how do we still live our best lives? How do we design our schedules around our energy and our bandwidth, not our time, so that we can get done the things that we really want to get done when we feel our best and we then can rest. We're going to talk about how sometimes we do have to miss things, right? We get FOMO, but we can then sit with that feeling and find another way to give ourselves what it is we really need, what's behind the feeling. I think you're going to love today's conversation and I can't wait to jump in. Here we go. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Shannon Clink to the show. She is a happiness coach and a self-care strategist, and I can't wait to have our conversation today. And we are going to talk about how we um, walk through life with a great attitude and how we you know, live the life that we want, even if we're walking through something like a chronic illness. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I'm so excited to be here today. Absolutely. So can you start by telling us a little bit about your backstory, and then how you've stepped into helping people with their happiness and their self-care when they're dealing with chronic illness, and then how you are such an amazing cheerleader for people. Super. Well, I am the founder of Finally F and Happy, a podcast and community for kick-ass women living with chronic illness. I started this community because I live with a chronic illness. I have primary immunodeficiency disorder, which basically means that uh, there are significant parts of my immune system that don't exist. But chronic illness can be anything from asthma to arthritis to fibromyalgia to other autoimmune disorders to cancers and HIV. Good news about medical science is that we really can live with these really fully um, Mm -hmm. today with both modern medicines and alternative medicines and alternative practices. And so it's really about how to live your biggest and best life, Mm -hmm. even if you have chronic illness and not to be defined by it. So part of my story is that I wasn't actually properly diagnosed until I was about 40, which means that the first 40 years of my life, I was sick all the time. I had chronic ear infections and stomach infections and skin infections, and nobody really knew why. And I was always on antibiotics and I tried Western medicine and naturopaths and meditation and law of attraction and you name it, I tried it. And so when I finally got properly diagnosed, what that journey included was up to that point, I really believed that this was my fault. It was because I didn't eat right or sleep right, or I hadn't done the right kind of exercise, or maybe I'd done too much exercise. Or if one more person told me I didn't manage stress well, I was going to absolutely lose it, right? Like I have all kinds of tools for managing stress. Thank you very much. (laughs) And 
And so, but yes, stress does exacerbate our conditions. That is a true fact, but it was so much bigger than that. And so once I was finally properly diagnosed and started getting treatment, which uh, includes an infusion, an IgG infusion that I get every two weeks, I was able to actually use those science-based happiness hacks, if you will, that include everything from things most everybody knows about, but whether it's gratitude or physical movement, community, girlfriends, connection, faith, I was able to use all of those techniques in a way that nourished, fueled, was so kind to myself that it really started this journey around, I am super passionate about helping women be kind to themselves. End of story, full stop, both internally and externally. I say that happiness is not just an inside job. It's part an inside job, yes. But if I am doing all this mindfulness and meditation and law of attraction and I don't brush my teeth and I eat like crap and I sit on the couch all day, I'm still going to feel like crap, right? No matter how much inside job work I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, if I'm doing all the outside stuff, I'm getting dressed every day and doing my makeup and my water's perfect and my food is exemplary <laughs> and I'm beating myself up inside telling myself I'm not enough, I still right. feel like crap. Yep. So both for me and the work that I do at Finally F and Happy go hand in hand. It's how to turn your inner critic into your inner cheerleader Mm -hmm. and also how to have some accountability doing the things that you know work for you, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it is getting up and doing your hair and makeup every day, whether it's scheduling time for food prep, whether it's time for your girlfriends, whatever that outside stuff is in addition to the inside stuff. Mm, I love it. That is so good. And I love that you're helping people, you know, be kinder to themselves and especially people living with a chronic illness, you know, long-term things they're dealing with. Because I do think, first of all, I think most women are, this is something we already need to work on, right? Being kinder to ourselves, being kinder about how we treat ourselves, doing the self-care. But then of course, if you layer on it, you know, other things we're dealing with, it makes it even harder, right? Especially on, you know, a given day. So can you tell us a little bit about how do we start being kinder to ourselves and kind of tamp down that inner critic? Are there certain things that we can start doing practices and things like that? Sure. So the first one that I talk about the three E's to sustainable Mm self-care and your self-care is totally different than my self-care. It's completely individual yet. Mm -hmm. It's also universal. And so I break it down into the three E's because the first E is your essentials. And this is the first thing that goes. We say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I have to take care of the kids or my boss or whatever. And mm-hmm. the essentials are generally the first to go. And the essentials for me look like um, some prayer meditation, my faith practice. Mm-hmm. They look like movement. And I say movement instead of exercise because I loathe exercise. <laughs> So um, it's movement, Uh, water, water is, I don't enjoy water either, but it is critical to my happiness. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
girlfriend time, connections with my girlfriends is Mm -hmm. totally critical. So my self-care essentials, I pick two or three a week. That's all that are my focus. Because if I say this week, I'm just going to make sure I get my 60 to 80 ounces of water five days a week. And I do 20 minutes of movement three days this week. And I nail that goal. What happens is my food becomes easier. I'm reaching out to girlfriends effortlessly. Some of the other essentials, it's called the snowball effect, Mm -hmm. happen effortlessly. So only two or three. And this really comes out of so oftentimes people say, this week, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to do it all. (laughs) And that virtually never happens. So deciding what your self-care essentials are going to be, just two or three of them, your focus for this week. And then the um, extras, but regulars is what I call them. And the extras, but regulars, I literally put into my calendar every week. Now, I don't always get to them every week. But if I put them in my calendar, I at least have a shot at getting to them. And so extras can look like everything from, sure, a bubble bath. Sure, 30 minutes. Um, I love Hello Magazine, which is a British gossip magazine. And so 30 minutes with my Hello Magazine and a hot cup of coffee with no interruptions is totally an extra but regular. So it doesn't have to cost money, but it can be a mani-pedi with a girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the third E are the extravagance. And a lot of times when we think of self-care, we only think of the extravagance. We think of a day at the spa. We think of a weekend with our girlfriends. We think of mm-hmm. a nice dinner out. And then we go, well, I don't have time for that, or I don't have money for that. So therefore I just don't need, I, I can't do self-care. Yeah. Um, and again, the extravagance I put in my calendar once or twice a year and I budget toward them and I save toward them and I plan toward them and they don't always happen. But if they're in my calendar, I at least have a shot at them happening. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say, because that's all kind of outside stuff. And earlier I had said, there's both what's going on on the outside and what's going on on the inside mm-hmm. and the inside pieces. I have a very specific practice of self-empathy and have done a lot of work in uh, compassionate communication and turning that compassionate communication toward myself mm-hmm. and really being able to support myself in, because when you live with chronic illness, sometimes you do miss out on things. When you live with a chronic illness, sometimes your body just doesn't have the physical energy to do the things that you want to do. So how do you provide yourself some love and support in those moments? And this process of identifying my feelings, what are the underlying needs to those feelings? And then providing myself that spiritual love and support around the, I would say, divine essence of those needs. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I mean, first of all, I am a hundred percent agreement with you that we do need to fit in those things. Like you said, connections with, you know, friends, having that, you know, conversation and all the things that you talked about. I love those three E's, but then let's, let's dig into about the feelings, right? So I think you, you often share an example about, you know, that something might go on, you know, or, or maybe you can't do something, but it's like, you get maybe what frustrated or something's coming up, but you're kind of saying to sit in our feeling, like feel what's really going on there. So can you tell us like, how would somebody start showing themselves that compassionate 
empathy, you know, in, in that practice? Sure. So one of the things about Finally F and Happy is that it is not about being sort of happy birthday, Pollyanna, happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Finally F and Happy is about all emotions are welcome. All mm-hmm. of them, the yeah. sad ones, the angry ones, the hurt ones. And when I welcome them, that actually is my journey toward happiness. Mm-hmm. And so I'll use a small example, right? But this can be at a bigger level or whatever. So a small example might be that a bunch of girlfriends are getting together and all of a sudden I get slammed with a migraine headache. Or it's somebody's birthday and their birthday happens to be on the day that my infusion is scheduled. And I can't really change the dates of my infusions because, you know, there's medical providers involved and blah, blah, blah. And so there's definitely this feeling of missing out. Yeah. There can also be this feeling of, I am so sick and tired of being sick. Yeah. Right. It could also be, uh, see, see, I'll never really be a part of, I'm always going to be sort of the loner out here. Like nobody really understands, right? Okay. So if I take any one of those emotions and another example that I'll give real quick is in regards to business. So for before I was diagnosed, the story in my head for a long time was I can't ever really advance at my career because I don't have the energy. I just wasn't made with that energy. Right. And so I can't go to work all day, come home, take care of my son. I was a single parent, truly doing it all on my own mm-hmm. and take care of him, you know, run to sporting events, do homework, blah, 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 cook dinners, get the laundry done, pay the bills, and then do the things I needed to do to advance my career. And so that was a story that I told myself a lot too. And then I would get mad at society or mad at whatever, not so much on the outside, but definitely eating away on the inside. Okay. So if I take that feeling and I go, okay, what's the need? Mm -hmm. What need am I trying to fulfill underneath that feeling? So in the example with my girlfriends, it's a need for connection. It's a need to be a part of, right? Sometimes it's just a need for fun. I mean, we as grown, can-do, kick-ass women who are working and taking care of our families and showing up in our communities, I mean, life is serious. We all got so much on our plates. Let's have some fun. Sometimes it's just a need for fun. So that need to connect, that need to be a part of, that need for fun, Um, or in the business example, the need to be able to provide for my family spaciously, right? I want to say stress-freely, if that's even possible, if that's a word, right? That need in and of itself is really beautiful, right? It's a precious thing, that desire to contribute and take care of my family, that desire for connection, And so once I've tapped into that need, Mm -hmm. then I have a little bit of a conversation with myself, Mm -hmm. which is, oh, Shan, I know this is so hard not getting to go have lunch when all the girls are getting together and you, I, you so want to be there. I know you do. And it is being sick sucks. I am so sorry that you're feeling so crappy and you can't show up. Is there another way we can foster that connection? 
Because now it's about the connection and not about the lunch. Right. Yeah, I love that. And then I can brainstorm either by myself or with a handful of girlfriends. Mm -hmm. What other strategies can I come up with to meet that need of connection or contribution or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. And find that, oh, then more of my needs are getting met. And that's been hugely important through coronavirus. So I have been super uber tightly quarantined. We have gone nowhere. Everything has been delivered to our house over the last year and a half. Um, I mean, super uber tightly quarantined. And yeah, there's been a lot of FOMO, particularly over the last couple of months as people have gotten their vaccinations and started going back out into the world and people getting together. And so really having to tap into that the need of connection and what are creative alternative strategies that I can come up with um, to meet that need and also meet my need for health and safety around primary immunodeficiency. So that process of self-empathy. Now, sometimes I am in such a hole. I need a girlfriend to help me with that. You can also have a professional help you with that. Mm And knowing when to reach out for that help and knowing that you have a community, that you fostered a community to be that raw with in those moments. So I can do it for myself, but I can also do it in community. Yeah. What I love about that is, you know, the the examples, first of all, kind of help illustrate for people that maybe haven't been doing that, you know, for themselves. They haven't been as kind as you've learned to start being with yourself and say, hold on what's going on here? And like you said, how do I give myself some of what I need, you know, in this experience or this feeling? So I love that you share those examples, but I also love that it's a practice, right? So the more we start saying, okay, well, I've never done that before. I mean, if someone says I've never done that before, right? Well, it's okay. It's probably hard at first, right? To kind of say, what am I really feeling here to take the time to listen to what your, you know, your, yourself is telling your, you know, or what you're telling yourself And then to spend a little time trying to, like you said, come up with creative options for whatever the circumstances you're in. So I love that. And I hope people will, you know, try to take a little more time to really get honest with their feelings. And like you said, what's behind the need, or I'm sorry, what's behind the feeling? What's the need behind the feeling? So I think that's so important for people to understand that, you know, these things don't just, you know, like you said, just because you're having FOMO or you have to miss things. That's okay. You know, everyone gets it. And especially if you're, you know, going through, like you said, treatments or pain, but to know that we can, we can try to fill some of those voids with other options, I think is, is really important that you have, you've shifted the mindset and you help other people kind of see that, you know, that we can fill these needs that we have. So I think that's so important. What about, so tell me a little bit about, I know you talk about this and I know you've had a podcast episode about the sacred pause, when we have to slow down or when we need to slow down. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that looks like and the importance of it? Sure. Yeah. I am a big fan of the sacred pause and, you know, we can't always control as we know all the things that are going on around us, mm-hmm. but I can always choose what lens I am going to look at all that's going on around me through. So I can choose which lens I want to look at it through. I always have a choice in that. Sometimes I need some help to pick up a more nourishing, compassionate, useful lens. 
Um, but I can choose whatever that lens is going to be. And so when it comes to the sacred pause, the sacred pause can be either I'm making a choice to slow down. And for example, this week on my calendar, Monday through Friday, I literally wrote, I scheduled, schedule nothing. Yep. <laughs> I scheduled, schedule yes. nothing. I've started doing that more. <laughs> right. I have been away and just sort of disconnected for pretty much the month of July and knew I needed this week to reset, realign, re-engage. And it's my responsibility to make that time. Now, I still need to um, get everyone fed and do the groceries and all of those things as well. But when I create this time on my calendar, that is part of my choice of creating a sacred pause. Mm -hmm. And then do I actually use that time? Right. In some kind of sacred spirit. And I'm not talking religious at all. But things that nourish my soul. And one of the big things about Finally F and Happy is that you know what works for you. You may be a, you know, Joe Dispenza, Abraham Hicks, law of attraction. You might be into Christian contemplative meditation. You might be a Buddhist meditator, mindfulness, emotional freedom technique, tapping, like whatever your thing is. We all know what works for us. We know what works for us in terms of exercise. We know what works for us in terms of food. It's not about necessarily learning one more technique. It's about doing the techniques we already know, right? And so this place of, so I'm going to prioritize which of those techniques during the sacred pause Mm -hmm. I am going to focus on. And I make a decision. So like for this week, I've made a decision to really just do a little bit of emotional freedom technique or tapping every day. So it's not, what do I feel like doing today? What books? Oh, I love this book by Martha Beck. And I love this book by the, which book should I read? Oh, I've made a commitment. That's what I'm going to do just for this week. Not for forever. Not for the rest of my life. Just yeah. So how am I infusing that in when I am scheduling that time? Alternatively, those of us with chronic conditions, I can do everything, quote unquote, right. I can eat right. I can sleep right. I can get all my water. I can, right. And I can still get flattened for a day, for a week. It just, it's just part of the gig, part of the deal, right? And so normally when that happens, the first day, I don't know, hours, I usually get pretty frustrated because I don't want to be down for the count. I got life to live. I got people to love on. I got stuff to do. (laughs) (laughs) And so then it's like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. Mm -hmm. And this is where I get to choose which lens I want to look at it through. And do I want to choose the sacred lens to look at it through? And how can I choose this time to infuse it with something that is nourishing, compassionate, fulfilling? I have a particular prayer that I say, and the prayer sounds something like this, you know, divine universe, wisdom, whatever is out there in the world. I offer this to you to build with and to do with as you will. 
relieve me of the bondage of trying to figure it out so that I can better do whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing with this wave of illness and take away my difficulties, both internal and external. You take away my difficulties and I promise I'll share it with somebody else if it can be helpful, right? So it's this, how how can I even be of service with this crap? I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would use a more expletive word because it certainly feels more expletive in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it takes the bite out of it. Yeah. It doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it all better in an instant, but it takes the bite out of it. And when I take the bite out of it, I heal faster. I recuperate faster. Mm, Yeah, well, absolutely. One, you're kind of saying your truth, right? That feeling you're feeling. And then you're, you're releasing it. Right. I mean, you're, you know, so I think that's really good. And that's, that's important. I will say, I I did read one thing about the sacred pause that you sort of note that we didn't talk about yet, which is, can you talk to us a little bit about, we need to start scheduling our time based on our energy and the bandwidth we have instead of our time, which most of us are used to doing, right? We look at a calendar and it's blocked by hour. (laughs) So how do we, how do we try to position ourselves so that we can move more into that? Sure. I am all about helping people manage their bandwidth, rather their time. And the work that I do with people, it takes some time to identify what your bandwidth is Mm -hmm. and then to embrace that. Because most of us say, but I want to be able to manage it by my time, by the hour blocks on that calendar. Mm -hmm. And okay, well, if you want to do that, that's great. How's that working for you? Has it, has it, what, where's the proof in the pudding, right? And if it's not working, why are we still using it? Right. Because I want to, right? I'm so sorry. You can hear my hundred pounds puppy dog in the background, Clementine. So for any of your listeners, this is what we call the Clementine moment. She's a hundred pound bull mastiff. Um, she is much as a child as any of my four human children. Um, yeah. And she's having a little moment over there. So back to, <laughs> I have one too, he's not in here right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know, back to that place in the sacred pause and sort of, sorry, remind me where we were. Cause she's totally distracted me. Yeah, that's okay. So, you know, you were telling us how you help people try to start designing their life or their schedules around our energy yeah. bandwidth and that, bandwidth. how that changes instead of time. Right. And so first identifying what your bandwidth is. And your bandwidth can be um, seasonal. It can be monthly. Um, I think this is really important for women's cycles as well. And just being honest about it, being yeah. really honest about it. So for example, for me, I get uh, an IgG infusion every two weeks, mm-hmm. which means that the day of my infusion is essentially a wash. Mm-hmm. And then the day after my IgG infusion is always a question mark. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the day after my IgG infusion is like, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. It's great. I can do my regular routine. Mm -hmm. Some days after my IgG infusion, I sleep all day. And I can't predict it. I really can't predict it. And so scheduling my life, knowing that. Right. But also my day, I'm best in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. By two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm pretty done. Yep. 
So how I schedule things, I schedule knowing what my bandwidth and my energy is. Now I can't always do it perfectly. Right. That's okay. Yeah. But I also know like I only schedule one big thing a day if I can. Mm -hmm. And even working full time, when I had wasn't working for myself and I would try and schedule one big thing a day if I could. Now, obviously, in a work environment, that's not always possible. Right. But it allowed me to manage my bandwidth so I wasn't just completely physically or mentally exhausted. Yeah. So before I was properly diagnosed and I was going to work every day, I literally went and slept in my car in the afternoon almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Before I learned how to manage my bandwidth, because I just, I just, I just didn't have it. Right. Yeah. And I thought, what's wrong with me? Nobody else is going to their car to sleep every afternoon. And there must be something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, right. It just managing hour to hour wasn't working for me. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's an important topic that not enough people talk about. You know, I think more people that work for themselves start maybe feeling or seeing some of that, you know, that flow of the energy and how you're feeling and when you feel like you have, you know, the most ability and energy. But I think it's something important to to mention to people because I'm with you as I'm, you know, back doing my thing full time again, I'm having to really like certain weeks will be so crazy that I have so many interviews booked up that now I've had to say, oh, I'm not just blocking off Fridays. Now I'm blocking off Mondays too. And now I'm blocking off this other part day from any interviews, right? So I'm trying to say, oh, no, I need to really manage my time better. Because like you said, you know, if you do, I mean, I've had days where I've had seven back to back. That's eight hours of Zoom calls. It's a lot, right? And then no wonder I'm exhausted the next day, right? Like that day was fine. It's the next day, right? That I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I've started to have to, you know, just keep looking at my schedule and say, okay, hold on. I need it to be different. Or like you said, on one day a week, I'm fine to do interviews into the later time, you know, day. But the other days, like you said, I need to go take a break from sitting at my computer some days and go do other things I need to take care of, you know, so I'm, but I'm building those in so that I don't end up letting other people set my schedule for me, right? On my Well, I think that's a really important piece. Yeah. Is that the essentials, Mm -hmm. taking the time to identify what are your essentials. Yes. And then I book those in my calendar. Absolutely. I do too. So I'm part of this productivity group and a lot of the women in this productivity group, they are big proponents of they get up anywhere from a half hour to an hour before the rest of their family does to have some time to themselves. Yeah. And that is just not my jam. And I lived for a long time thinking that well, if I did that, that's the thing that's missing in my life. If I did that, my life right. would be better. Yeah. And it's just, it's not my best time of day. It's, um, you know, I'm not doing it. And my husband and I, almost every morning, not every morning, but almost every morning, one of us makes coffee, mm-hmm. feeds the dog while we're making the coffee and comes and crawls back into bed for, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 30 minutes, depending on the day. Yeah. That time is 
crucial for me. It's mm-hmm. crucial for my marriage. It's crucial for my husband. If my day is different when he and I have that 10 to 30 minutes together. And so in this productivity group of very professional women, I get up and I check my calendar and I'm doing my to-do this. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to schedule having coffee in bed with my husband. Is that, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, if that's your jam, do it. Right. And so whatever your thing is, put it in your calendar. And it doesn't mean it always happens, but if it's in my calendar, I have more of a shot of it actually happening. Absolutely. And then my business day is better. Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm not the person I have girlfriends. They get up at 5 a.m. to go exercise, run, walk. And I said, that is never happening. Like that's never happening. You know, I'd prefer I'm to get you. If, I could, if I could control it, you know. Um, I mean, some days I have to get up earlier and some days I just wake up earlier, but I'm with you. I, but I do try to schedule in what time today does it work for me to get in my, you know, like walk or if I'm going to do something more because some days are different than others. Right. So for me, I'm like, oh, is tomorrow or this week on Wednesday, am I going to go do my thing in the morning? You know, whatever it is, or is it going to be at lunchtime or in the evening? And the weather sometimes dictates that, right? I'm like, oh, today it's raining. So I didn't go this morning. But to your point, I try to be aware of my whole week. And what is it I'm trying to make sure I get in, you know? And like you said, not the work stuff. I mean, I know I'm going to get that stuff done or at least some of it. It's the other things. Just like you said, for me, a connection and my faith time, you know, my time, you know, getting outside of nature and movement is so important. So it's those things, you know, am I scheduling those things in, you know, or making them a priority? So I think that's really good. And I love that you have morning time with your husband. My husband's long gone at work by then. So we're, we're never <laughs> doing that in the morning. It's just right. not when we get to do that, but in the evening more, right. would be, we might go out back and, you know, turn on the fire pit or something. So yeah, I love it. I also, I in the evening, I have an hour and a half on my calendar. That's just family. So it says family and it reminds me, pops up on my phone. It pops up on my computer. All all of this goes away. Just go be with your family for an hour, hour and a half, whatever dinner time, cards after dinner, throwing the Frisbee in the backyard. Like, now my kids are all, uh, my youngest is 17. So I don't have littles in the house anymore. Right. 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 Yeah. It's a little bit different. And again, managing your bandwidth with littles looks different than managing your bandwidth with teenagers. Yeah. Um, so that's all part of it as well. Absolutely. And I have, yeah, I have my youngest is almost 15 and then, you know, up to an adult, um, three sons, but it's the same. Like I told my husband last night, okay, Thursday night, we're doing something as a family because our oldest who will go back to college, you know, in a couple of weeks is off on Thursday night. And then he was off last night, but my husband had a, you know, coaching meeting till eight 30. So he wasn't available. But to your point, it's not always every night anymore because of their ages, but we do have to look at, you know, the week, everybody's week and say, okay, when can we get together? You know, when can we play games or do something? So I'm with you. It have to, you have to be intentional about it. And like you said, even if it's maybe not the best day, you know, how you're feeling, we can still do something usually, you know, even if it's just having conversation or playing cards or something. So I love that. So let me ask you, what last things would you share with people about you know, just how we view life and how we kind of get the most out of it. Like you said, let's live big, our big best lives. But any last tidbits of advice or resources that you recommend to people? The, The biggest thing is that, and we've already talked about it, 
in a handful of different ways is that happiness is not just a feeling. It's not something that just happens. It's a practice. It's something that you can foster. It's something that you can create. It's something that you can search for and identify where it is alive and well in your life so that you can nurture it and nourish it and have it grow even bigger and bigger, even if you live with a chronic condition. And that's true in your family life. It's true in your professional life. It's true in your circle of girlfriends and your community. It's true in your own body and with your own health that that happiness, just like everything else that we learn to do from brushing our teeth to preparing an Excel report or a marketing presentation, that this science of happiness, Mm -hmm. the practice of happiness is something that if you engage in it, like cause and effect, If I brush my teeth every day and floss my teeth, I'll go to the dentist and I'll have a good dental report and I won't have any cavities. Mm -hmm. If I do these science-backed happiness practices, Mm -hmm. I will find more joy and levity in my life. And when I find more joy and levity, you have more energy, more time, and that begins this upward spiral as opposed to the downward spiral. And the upward spiral, no matter where your starting place is, the upward spiral is possible for you. Yeah. It is, it is, it is. I love it. And you're right. I, it so much comes down to, like you said, it's it's a choice we make. It's a lens we look through. And it is a practice that the more we do it, right? We, like you said, if we're practicing gratitude and, you know, having joy in our lives and, you know, being of service to others and being curious, even if it's about, you know, the illness or, you know, you might be going through, if you're curious about like, Hey, you know what? I noticed I felt better when I had the conversation with a girlfriend, you know, the day, maybe you had a treatment or I felt better when I reached out and talked to the other person, you know, that looked like they weren't having the best day. But right. I think if we're curious about like, Hey, what, which thing, when I wrote, when I journaled, you know, a gratitude, you know, gratitude things each day, I feel better those days, you know, but I think if we just sort of start, like you said, making these things a daily habit or at least a weekly habit, and then move into daily, it's shocking how much impact they'll have on our lives and our, our attitude. I think it sure does. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So can you tell us how can people connect with you online and find out about all the things you have going on? Absolutely. So I am online at finallyeffinghappy.com and it's E-F-F-I-N-G, Finally Effing Happy. And my podcast is Finally Effing Happy, awesome. podcasting community for kick-ass women living with chronic illness. And it's filled with tons of happiness hacks, self-care strategies, and awesome guest speakers. And I, through the month of, I am launching in September, September of self-love and just mini workshops. There will be a mirror workshop, a self-love workshop, some what I call mindfulness and movement workshops. I am a certified laughter yoga trainer. And so it's sort of my own take on mindfulness in motion for those people who say, 
sitting down and trying to meditate makes me want to explode. <laughs> awesome. Mindfulness is still accessible. So mini workshops throughout the month of September just sort of help us reset. So September of self-love and launching in January actually is going to be the Oh Yes, I Can community. And that will be a 12-week program that really walks you through the hand-in-hand of the internal and the external, how to become your own biggest cheerleader. Mm. I love it. Well, thanks for being with us today, Shannon. I love that you're such a big, bold, positive cheerleader in the world for so many people, whether we're living with chronic illness or not. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a gift to be here. You be well. You too. I love talking to Shannon. First of all, I love her energy and her passion for life and the message and the story that she shares with us that regardless of our circumstances, right, what we're dealing with, we can still have such rich, meaningful lives. We just need to redefine them for ourselves and what works for our bodies, what works for what we are walking through. So I just remind you, just be kinder to yourself. Think about the ways we sustain ourselves with some of the self-care ideas she told us about. And think about the sacred pauses in our lives, whether they are forced on us or whether it's time for us to consider where we need to put more of those into our days. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. Join our Facebook group called Building a Life You Love, where we will provide additional encouragement, motivation. We will answer questions and we will just give you more resources and support along your journey to define life on your terms and go after your dreams and find work that lights you up. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.